next week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. A highlight-filled Week 19 sees two more teams clinch playoff berths. With three weeks remaining, Week 20 should be another action-packed weekend. We speak with Latrell Harris from the Hot is Hot Toronto Rock and give you another edition of Box Bets. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! Exactly what we needed was, was two massive wins, and uh, you know we're coming together at the right time. We've got we've strung a few wins together now, and we talked about that before this win streak. If you want to be playing into June, you got to be able to win a couple games in a row. So that's uh, it's a good start, but we still got a long way to go. Crowley flicks it underneath, McIntosh on course and scores. Philadelphia is your winner. Ben McIntosh beats Shiliano for the final say. Lomas hanging out underneath the goal. Teat. Oh, Jeff Teat. Six goals! He has a 10-point night! He's been hearing all that talk about other people for Rookie of the Year. Saying, okay, all right, fine. I'll go out and I'll put six goals up. That's a sock trick, ladies and gentlemen. Harris racing in on goal, shooting, he scores! Harris converts the breakaway opportunity, and it is 8-7. Look at this last hit by Dylan Ward. He gets his stick on that shot. That is an incredibly, ridiculously save right there by Dylan Ward. Hit coming from Messenger. Skips the key to one more. Messenger scores! Again, ball movement off the screen, and then a swing pass, and Messenger left wide open. Another wild and wacky weekend in the National Cross League. Yes, expect the unexpected. And apologies to Todd LeBranch if our intro was extra long again. When there are highlight reel goals and impactful games, we try to give you as many highlights as possible. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire, at P. Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner, at Teddy Jenner, and the show is at OTCB underscore podcast and at OTCB podcast on Instagram. Man, 
It just doesn't get any better than April lacrosse, does it? It's the best. It's the absolute best. And I picked, well, I didn't pick, but it was a good weekend not to be on the broadcast. I will get to you and your doubleheader in a second. Uh, But what a great weekend to have off. It was absolute madness. Um, The games were incredible. There was upsets. There was an obscene amount of crazy goals. The Masters was on. Like It was an unreal weekend to just make a dent on your couch and just be a a bump on the lock. Unfortunately for you, though, that wasn't the case. You guys had the doubleheader, which I had a couple weeks ago, but yours was even crazier than mine. It it was... I I didn't expect that it would just be so wild. Like, I figured that the Calgary-Halifax game would just be a slug them out, back and forth, low-scoring game. I thought CDB and and Warren would kind of just hold the fort, but man... Once Evie scored that goal, I was like, okay, this is, that was nuts. And then Tanner Cook, like, eight minutes later, and then Dixon at the end of the game. I was just, I was dumbfounded, and we're seeing it more and more each and every week, and these guys just have no regard for the emotions of goaltenders and and their psyche because they're just, as Diggs would say, doing them as dirty as possible. And then 24 hours later, we go to Saskatoon, and Kyle Killen and Keegan Ball scored 12 straight for Vancouver. The only two guys other than Brandon Goodwin, who scored an empty netter to start the game, the only two guys to score. And they were scored from everywhere. And Bouquet and Penny just didn't know how to stop a ball outside the restraining line. It, it I'd never seen anything like it. It went from two extremes, from like, ridiculous highlight reel goals to just goals that shouldn't be going in, but just drop your jaw. And those were just two of the games and there was just a plenty full of them. And it's going to be that way for the next three weeks of the regular season, all the way through whenever we end in June, that every game is going to make your jaw drop. And it is going to be unbelievable to watch whether you're uh, denting a log in your couch or live in person in an arena, uh, you're not going to want to miss it. No, you have no choice but to watch it because if you miss a game, it might mean a team making the playoffs or jumping a team in the seating room missing. Like we talked about how the standings right now are as clear as mud. And I, I think the picture may be cleared up a little bit, but still a little bit. Yeah. I like we, but the thing is four teams punch at their ticket. We know that four teams are going to be in there, but those seedings yeah. aren't set in stone. And after this week, we thought maybe, okay, Buffalo's going to rack up first. They're going to be good. San Diego, maybe they'll get a little bit of a cushion. First place, I know in the East, it's it's a little bit more comfortable for Buffalo, but they're starting to feel the heat of Toronto. Yeah. And in the West, it's an absolute dogfight. Now, technically, there's three teams that could potentially take that first seat. Yep, Calgary King. Calgary King has gone from fifth to third, solidified themselves in third, and now if they continue this winning streak and get some help along the way, could end up in first. Like we all thought, San Diego, it was their division or conference to win, and now they've lost four straight. So uh, every game is going to have an impact on the schedule the rest of the way. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to Jake and Brad break all the games down from week 19, please do. They do a great job. 
but we are going to give you five key takeaways from the weekend. Thumbs up, thumbs down after a wild week 19. Uh, I'll go first, and I just kind of mentioned it. The Calgary Roughnecks should be feared. They are on a four-game winning streak. They're seven and three in their last 10. As mentioned, they went from fifth to third. They just played a back-to-back where they beat Halifax and absolutely punished the Panthers City Lacrosse Club and said, hey, enough of you thinking you're a really good contending expansion team and the storyline. No, get out of here. Head back down to Panther City. Take your purple with you. We don't want any of that hassle. And they are just, Christian Del Bianco, what we saw at the start of the season is not the Christian Del Bianco we're seeing now. And the whole team is just playing different, Patty. And when Brad and I talked to Kurt Miloski before the game, the one thing that really stood out to us is the fact that, like, the one comment he made that they didn't want to make any moves at the deadline because they really felt the change and drastic change from their rookies, Cook and Waters, and even a guy like Eli Salama or Ethan Tyser, some of those young guys, it's like getting a brand new draft class in the middle of the season. And they're just exponentially better. And it's because they just slowly started implementing their game plans. They didn't throw out, you know, a 50 page playbook and game schemes at them right away. They put in four concepts or essentially, you know, X amount of concepts at the start of the year, got those dialed. You get to the next segment there, you add a few more, and then you just slowly start to add and progress in your ideas and you don't overwhelm them. And Calgary is notoriously a slow starting team. And Kurt Miloski said it, we don't care how we get there, but when we get there, look out. And Calgary is the second hottest team in the NLL right now, but I truly believe they need to be feared going forward. Thumbs there's up. no, there's no denying. And that deserves a thumbs up. Indeed. It probably would have been my thumbs up, but instead I'm going to go on a different route. And this one's technically two thumbs up, thumbs up for dangerous Dan Dawson and the great Dane Smith, both of them record breaking Evenings for them, Dane Smith breaks Mark Matthews, most assists in a single season, surpassed him at 84. He's already up to 87. And <laughs> he's got two I, games left. He's got two games left. Like, we could – it'd be tough to <laughs> see him hit. He could have 100% season. Like, he could hit a hunch, sure. which would be absolutely mind-boggling. Like, this offense, we knew how special they were coming into the season. We thought – you know, maybe we could see some historical records break. Um, but th- what we're seeing from Dane Smith is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if he's going to catch. He's on his... pace for like 97.8 assists. So he's, yeah, he's almost there he for a hundred. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. And of course, got to give our kudos to the new Apple King, Dan Dawson. Yeah the new solo assist record um, surpassing the legend, John Tavares, 935 career assists, just insane, insane for, for Dawson. We knew this was going to be a special season for him. Uh, it, it obviously, I don't think it's happened quite as quickly with him dealing with some injuries, uh, but that's just Dan Dawson, man. He's a, he's a warrior. He's a battler. And to be honest, we saw his demeanor when that ceremony happened, when he broke 
the all-time games played record. You could tell him he was like, let's just let's just get going here. You know, obviously, once his career is over, he's going to appreciate everything because he is such a student of the game, even at his age, and he respects the game so so much and he loves the game. So he's not going to show that disrespect to everything that he's doing. But the only thing on his mind right now is a championship run, which we're going to talk to Latrell Harris a little bit later, one of our guests, and talking about how they have that championship mentality. But that's all he cares about. But that doesn't mean you and I and the rest of the NLL fans can't give him his praises because what we've seen from him uh, in his career, starting as a guy out the back door, uh, you know, a late draft pick for Columbus. Like this has been basically the Tom Brady of, uh, of the NLL. Yeah. Like a guy that really wasn't expected to do too, too much now becoming one of the best players the game has ever seen. Well, he now holds the record for games played. He's fourth in goals, first in assists, second in points, just an unbelievable career. And just one of the nicest guys uh, in the mm. game of lacrosse. Uh, one other note for Dane Smith, he's 12 away from breaking his single season point record of 137. He's currently sitting at 126. So that record will likely fall barring uh, a bad night from the great Dane. So thumbs up to Triple D and the great Dane. One more thumbs up from me, the Colorado moving into first place. This team is a team that's starting to hit things on the right stride and Dylan Ward is starting to play like Dylan Ward. They're three and zero in their last three games, seven and two at home, no more home games, but now 10 and six, they finally find a way to beat the San Diego seals. They leapfrog them for first after the seals have struggled and going zero and four. And much like I said about the Kaga roughnecks, this Colorado team is just, on another level right now. And when you look at Ryan Lee and Connor Robinson, and now Tyson Gibson is starting to fit in after a slow start. This is going to be a dangerous team. Zed didn't play this weekend. Robert Hope was out this weekend. Still, I believe, waiting the birth of his first child. Uh, they had no Joey Capito. And they still beat the team that everybody thought was the best in the West. And Colorado is a now a team that should be feared. And if we get Calgary, Colorado in the playoffs again at some point, oh boy, will that be an unreal lacrosse game? Thumbs up the Colorado Mammoth who are playing some really, really mile high lacrosse. Yeah, quickly, I'll give your thumbs up a thumbs up. They are a team that, again, I haven't been able to put my thumb on, on them, haven't been able to figure them out, but who cares? Who cares how they're winning? If they're scoring a billion goals and giving up, they just come out with a win. Who cares? Like Dylan Ward told us when we had him on a couple of months ago, he said, we can win in all different ways. And that's the great thing about this team. And because in years past, we had to, you know, grind teams out. Well, now they're a team like Connor Robinson has a 40 burger with two <laughs> games left to go. Like, are you like Sask Rush fans must be just punching themselves yeah. knowing that they let this guy go. And maybe he wouldn't have had this production, even if he stayed this year, but for, for how much that offense has struggled to, to stay consistent, like wouldn't a guy like Robinson look great in that lineup. But then again, 
everything, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? Maybe he doesn't have that com- confidence in that lineup. Maybe he's still not getting those, those touches, but what he has been doing for this lineup, like, man, I, I don't know if there's too many more confident shooters right now in the league. Like only Tom Schreiber and Lyle Thompson have more goals than him right now. And it's only one more goal. Mind you, they've plus played two less games, but mind you, they're also two of the best players on the friggin' planet. So what we're seeing from Robinson, what we're seeing from this offense is unbelievable. And the thing that I am looking forward to seeing, or at least what I'm curious to see is when things starting to tighten up in the playoffs and we, we kind of get more to, you know, the, the grinded out style of play, are we going to be able to see Dylan Ward play like we've seen him? We know we are. But is the defense going to be able to figure things out? That's the one question mark that I have. Um, but I don't know, man. This is a team that I've continued to kind of doubt or put question marks on. But I'm not doing that anymore, man. This is a this is a team that can go on and run. All right. Uh, so that was the good. Uh, time for the bad. Thumbs down. Uh, I'll let you go first, Mr. Gregoire. Yeah, I think with how met, how much positivity we had last week, I think there's just as um, as much negativity that we can point out. And we don't like to be negative, but no. at the end of the day, it's down late in the season. There's so many vital games that you have to pick up. And I think two teams absolutely took major, major blows with their playoff hopes. And that's the Vancouver Warriors and the Panther City Lacrosse Club, especially Panther City. Everything was just going their way. And you knew that eventually they were going to lose. They weren't going to win out the rest of the year. But the way that they came out flat against a team that just played the night before, you you know, I was just very disappointed. And it wasn't the effort that we've seen from Panther City. But they were due for one of those. It just, that came at the absolute worst time. And maybe it's also a credit to how good Calgary is right now but nonetheless you can't come out in the most important game of your season and come out with a performance like that they looked more like the expansion team that we saw earlier in the season and not the best story in lacrosse that we've seen over the past few weeks bit disappointing for me for Vancouver I mean we talked about it already Killen and Ball could they couldn't have done anything more they left it all out on the floor and they just couldn't get enough production from their righties. And the defense and the goaltender could not come up with the big saves when they need it. You, you couldn't have asked any, anything more from those two righties. Like it was, I don't know if I've ever seen something like that before. It was unbelievable. But again, one of the biggest games of the season. And for them not to be able to come out with a win, I'm not going to say both of them are out of the playoff picture. But that hill that they have to climb is so much bigger. And now, Teddy, you got to think the East certainly is looking a lot better for that final fifth seed because, you know, last week or even a couple of weeks ago, I think you said we're going to see a four and four, uh, four teams from the East, four teams from the West. With those two losses last week now, I I think we're only going to see three teams of the West. Mind you, three very strong teams. But I think Calgary, San Diego, and Colorado are the last three hopes for a Western Conference team to win a championship here. Yeah, I agree. I, I had high hopes that it was going to be a 4-4, four four, but that 
seems to be going down the drain. Uh, so thumbs down for those two teams. My thumbs down uh, on the same lines of teams not exactly playing their best lacrosse at the most important time of the season. The Seals are 0-4. The T-Birds are 1-5 in their last sets of games. And these were teams with massive championship aspirations. And just something isn't working. And we don't like to play armchair GM. But since the acquisition of Evans and since the acquisition of Brett Hickey, these two teams have done absolutely nothing. And we're not saying that those are the reasons, but on the op the optics of things and on the surface, it looks like those two trades really had negative effects. And, you know, San Diego played Mac O'Keefe this weekend. And, you know, Brett Hickey wasn't in the lineup and, and I thought they played much better, but they just ran into a Colorado team that's hot. Halifax continues to move guys in and out of the lineup and there's now rumblings that Reese Dutch may soon be coming back to this lineup. You know, I saw him in Calgary looking really good and he wants to get back in. So that gives them another right hander to put in that mix. So the San Diego seals and the Halifax Thunderbirds still can turn this around. You just got to, you know, hit your last ride in these last couple of games, but thumbs down for just a, a really tough stretch of lacrosse injury wise, roster wise, but results wise, nothing could have come at a worse time than these skits. And if we had this conversation, what, a month ago, three weeks ago, these are two teams that a lot of people had pegged as yep. potential champions or at least teams that were going to be competing to play in the finals. And now they're two teams that have a lot of soul searching to do down the stretch. But I will say, if you look inside that locker room, if you look inside the management staff, there's a lot of belief. There's a lot of faith. So I think if there's two teams that can kind of figure things out and get things going from a confidence standpoint, I think it's these guys here, yeah. Cody right. Jamison, Brody Merrill. There's a lot of good leadership uh, trickling down, even from ownership and, uh, and management. But with that being said, not ideal time to play your worst lacrosse of the season. Not at all. Um, so only Rochester, I believe, is officially out. New York is wavering, if not pretty much done. Saskatchewan, I think Evan Schemenauer has said they have like a 0.001245% of making it in. Vancouver's got two games left. Uh, a win by Calgary really hurts their chances. Uh, or even a loss really hurts their chances. So, um, as again, the NLL usually puts these out, the scenarios about 20 minutes after we finish recording. It's just <laughs> how Joel Feld likes to troll me. Um, but it's getting dire for some of those teams. You know, Panther City can get to nine wins uh, if they win out, but they've got San Diego, Georgia, and Sass, so not an easy road. Vancouver's got Calgary and San Diego, not an easy road. But the battle that ever, I think everyone's going to be watching is Georgia, Philly, and Albany. Uh, the team mm -hmm. battling for that fourth and fifth spot. Who's going to get the Buffalo crossover and who's going to get the West crossover? That I really believe that's really the only significant race other than, you know, who's going to finish where. That is sort of the one to watch is who's going to be that 4-5 seed in the East. And our boy Cooper Perkins over at laxmetrics.com. Uh, has his strength of schedule out, Patty, and 
it kind of reflects what team's chances uh, probability are. Yeah. Shout out Cooper Perkins. Obviously we know we had him on the show, but we now know he listens because we were talking about <laughs> strength of schedule and I don't know, maybe two hours after the podcast drop, we get this sent to us and it's awesome. So if you want to go to laxmetrics.com, go to the strength of schedule. And this is where you can see some of the things that go into, you know, the likelihood of, you know, potentially there's a, a column likelihood of winning out. Um, there's also average win percentage of the opponent and then average win probability as well. So you mentioned it, Panther city, you know, they can get to nine and nine and that, probably can get them into the conversation of one of those last playoff spots. But right now their average win percentage uh, against opponent uh, is a point four or five, four, four only Buffalo and Toronto have a more difficult remaining schedule. Then you look at a team, you know, like Georgia kind of mid pack at 0.481 Philadelphia though, near the top at point three seven so realistically when you look at this there's a lot of teams that have pretty difficult schedules all the way through so there really isn't much of an excuse when it comes to ah you know we had a tough schedule down the stretch well listen everyone has a tough schedule and i think you're totally right we already talked about how i think it's going to be five teams in the east and that's not, not just because I live on the east side of North America. It's it's truly because you just look at this, you know, you look at Georgia, they're eight and seven right now, Buffalo at Panther City at Philly. So there's a head heads up matchup there. You know, they can control their own destiny. Philadelphia at eight and eight, they're playing Albany and they're playing Georgia. Now that is literally a team that holds their own fate. Yeah. They play against two teams that are they're battling for. And then coming down the rear. Uh, Albany at seven and nine. So they have a lot of work to do, but they're playing Philly and they're playing New York. So, you know, if they can get, get up to, to nine and nine, there's a good chance that potentially with some help, they could be at that crossover game. And if San Diego can somehow get that number one seed, they've already won in San Diego. Yeah. Maybe that's a route that they feel like they could get to, but if it's Colorado, um, have they played Colorado yet, Teddy? Who's that? Um, Albany. Philly? No, Albany. Albany. Uh, I pause in the show. Cue elevator music. Albany and Colorado have not played Patton, so no, they haven't played. So they haven't played. So we can't, there's no foreshadowing. There's no film. There's no film. There's, there's no film out there. But regardless, maybe, maybe a team feels that an easier path is by going out, playing the number one seed team and going through the West. Uh, but I don't know. That seemed to be, we heard rumblings from we a few rumblings. teams out East, but now with how good Calgary's playing, how good Colorado is playing. Yeah. San Diego is starting to fall off. I don't know how much easier that route is, especially when you factor in you're hopping out on a bird every single weekend playing out West. So I think that theory maybe can be thrown out. I think it's just, Hey, the NLL lacrosse playoffs are tough. 
doesn't matter who you're going to play. You got to beat a good team. And if you're going to beat a good team, you got to be playing your best lacrosse going into the playoffs. The Toronto Rock are eight and two in their last 10, have a 32.22% likelihood of winning out. That could see them maybe host a first round playoff game. Still lots to be played, but the Trell Harris of the Toronto Rock thinks they can do it. He's up next right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by maybe one of the more surprising stories of the National Lacrosse League season, Latrell Harris of the Toronto Rock, who has just been on a roll. L-Train, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, we are fantastic. Uh, we were talking before we recorded you and Adam J. We're doing some uh, work with some young kids, helping them, you know, get into the reading aspect of things. How fun is that stuff for you? Uh, you know, just giving back to the community and putting smiles on kids' faces. Yeah, it's great. Uh, honestly, it's really fun. Um, me and Adam had a great time this morning there at the track, and it was kind of funny because, you know, reading wasn't really one of my strong suits uh, growing up. So <laughs> to be able to uh, read in front of kids was pretty uh, pretty appreciated on my part. You know, I didn't mess up on any words. It's sort of one of my biggest uh, scares were. But, no, we did it. We did good, and uh, the kids loved it. So it means a lot. When I say it was kind of one of the surprising stories, it's because for a lot of years you've been injured and you haven't been able to have a full season with the Toronto Rock. What's it been like having to go through all those injuries and the shortened COVID season to now, you know, even during the summer in the PLL to have that roll into the NLL and just have the success that you're having after a, a couple of setbacks? Yeah, um, to be honest, that was really my first major injury. Um, like growing up uh so it was kind of you know it was different I didn't know really how to handle it or you know with my everyday life just thinking about it or not being able to do certain things to the potential that you wanted to uh it really kind of gets in, in your mental but um you know we just had to we had to do it get, got the surgery and then I had some time to really you know narrow things down um plan things out get back with my my physio and then that was good and then obviously with the COVID, I had even more time off. So I was just in the gym, going on bike rides, doing everything I can to stay in, in gameplay shape. And then I had the opportunity to go and play in the PLL this summer, which I think was huge for me because it allowed me to get back into lacrosse ways for, uh, I was off for two years almost. So it allowed me to get back to the swings of things. And uh, I think it's only helping me out right now during this, uh, during our gameplay at the NLL. You mentioned the yeah, go ahead, Patty. Sorry, no worries. Uh, you mentioned the track and how important was having that facility during COVID. I mean, just even without it, you know, just having that facility year round is huge. But especially during COVID, I know it's you always hear the players say, "Oh, you can't replicate, uh, you know, game shape." But having a world class facility like the track had to have been very handy. You know, staying close with the game of lacrosse when you know, you had no outlet. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, honestly, it's incredible that I have the opportunity to be there every day from whenever hour I want to get there to whenever, whatever hour I want to leave. Uh, obviously growing up, we didn't really have that. So I feel like if you wanted to rent something, you would have had to, you know, pay the full potential and would have been obviously a little pricey as we were younger, but now we're a little older and we just have this opportunity and, you know, uh, being drafted by the rock and I was just coming up here a couple of days to work out and shoot. And like, I was in love with it because I never was able to do that when I'm younger. And 
now it's just like an everyday thing. We go there, we work out in the mornings, we shoot after, we have a hot tub in our room, which is blessed. So we use that, you know, all these things to help the body recover or to get ready for things. It's just amazing. Plus, we're all there together. So it's not like, you know, we're always spending time with each other and that creates a huge bond, which obviously helps out when you're on the floor with each other. I remember um, the Toronto Rock did a little behind the scenes footage of your draft year. And I can't remember who said it, it, it on their, at their draft table. They're like, let's let, let's take a chance. Let's take let, let's go after Latrell because you kind of went a lot higher than many people had you pegged that year. What did that mean to you for them to to put that kind of faith in you at such a young age? Hey, it means everything, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, um, obviously there's a couple teams who had the chance if they wanted to pick me, they they could have, but Toronto was the one who stepped up. And uh, yeah, that YouTube video, I probably watched it over a hundred times, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm with a great organization and uh, with real, some real good teammates and just uh, really appreciated that they chose me. And now we're here doing our thing. Uh, how much is, have, have you appreciated the relationship with Tyson Bell? And how much have you relied on that? Hey, that's, that's family. That's even, that's more than a relationship, you know? Um, it's obviously amazing that we both get to do all the things that we're doing, you know, summer ball, uh, NLL, winter ball, we're traveling, you know, we're doing big things for St. Catharines, putting St. Catharines on the map. And obviously there's more NLL players in St. Catharines, but yeah, it's, uh, it's real good. I appreciate it a lot. You said, uh, obviously, you know, still a young player, but you have been with this organization for a few years now. So uh, listening to one of Ashley Dawkins interview with Dan Craig a couple of weeks ago on TSN, uh, Dan Craig mentioned that just the vibe around this team was different. It was special. And not to say that the vibe around teams in years past weren't great, but he just said this team is different and there is just a different feeling. And you have to think that this group can do something special. Is that the case, how you feel? And is that the vibe around this entire team that, yes, this is a championship contending team finally? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We've had, you know, four or five, six years of, playing with each other, obviously some some newer guys and some pickups, but we've had guys that have played with each other for a while and we've been close, you know, we've been to the semis, we've been to the quarters, we haven't made playoffs. So we've been through a lot. The only thing we haven't been through is making it past the playoffs, going to the championships. And that's what we're obviously looking to do this year, every year that we play. And uh, just like Dan Craig said, this team is special. We have something special going on. And all we gotta do is just keep bringing the energy uh, every night we play, every time we practice, you know, throughout the week, and I think good things are coming. You guys are on a three-game winning streak right now, but I think people might be overlooking the fact that you guys are eight and two in your last ten. Like nobody's hotter than the Toronto Rock right now. What's been the the change for this group to kind of really put everything together? You know, we've had some hiccups this year with injuries and COVID. All, all teams have, but just. With Toronto, it's just we've had some guys come in the lineup that maybe if we didn't have, you know, the hiccups, they wouldn't have been able to play. But they've just been spark plugs for us. And they fit in perfectly. They did their role just how we need them to. And we've, we've came out on top with uh, a lot of games with them in. And, you know, that's not taking anything away from them. But now, you know, we finally are playing with our, our core team. And, you know, everyone's just gelling. And 
you know, you, you go on swings. I don't know. You go on swings. We found ways to come out of games that maybe we shouldn't have. And then, you know, we've obviously lost a couple of games that we shouldn't have, but it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good slap in the face to wake us up and realize that if we're going to do this, we can't, we can't let these games get away from us. You know, we can't let this, the vibe and the, you know, all the, the glueness that we have between each other on this team, we just got to keep going. And hopefully we, Went out for the rest of the season. I was like, that'd be very yeah. ideal. <laughs> yeah, that that Rochester game, man, you were unconscious. Two goals, three assists, one of your best stat lines. I think Patty said it was maybe the best stat line he's seen out of a defender all year. Just just insane numbers, nine loose balls, six cost turnovers. Um, are you playing the best lacrosse of your career right now? I think I'm starting to, yeah, I'm getting more and more comfortable being out there. Obviously, I still have some personal things I need to work on. I'm not going to mention them. But uh, I'm doing what I can for my team, and obviously it's 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 working. And uh, there's more for me to do too, which I love. You mentioned that core, and I think maybe the nucleus of that core is, is Nick Rose. And it's not just because he's a world class goalie having an outstanding year. It's because he, and it's not the, always the case with goaltenders, but he's a leader on this team. You always see him, you know, talking at practice, talking in the locker room, really being a glue guy while still being a goaltender. How special is that, that the guy that's your last line of defense is also one of your most important guys uh, off the floor as well? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's Rosie. Um, <laughs> he, he's, just, he's just what we need. And when he's on his game, He's on his game, and that makes our defense want to play, you know, extra better for him. And then that goes to our offense. They want to put in goals. So, you know, it just adds up. And just like you said, in the room, he's talking. You know, he's he just says the right things. He's He's been in probably every situation as he's been in the league for a while. And uh, when, when he speaks, obviously, you listen up. Same with a couple other guys on our team. And he's a great leader. When You know, just like whatever he says, you just listen, you go and do just uh that's a guy you play for every night for sure talk about guys stepping up their game including yourself another two guys that certainly have done that this year brad curry and mitch disnew starting to finally get the, you know the recognition they do deserve but with them playing so well have it has it kind of allowed you to maybe jump up a little more in the transition game and, and play a little more loose yeah absolutely uh Brad Cree, first and foremost, he should I can't believe he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves, but this year he's absolutely showing it. And uh, God bless Crazy Baby. And <laughs> no, Mr. Snoo, he's, he's, he's crazy, man. He's crazy. He's, even that practice, he's the same way. Like, you know, he's, he's dialed in. Or it's, it just feeds. We feed off it, right? During games, he's doing whatever he does and comes up with a loose ball, like between two people or three people runs down, swims, and scores on a five-on-three. Like, <laughs> how can you not vibe off that? How can you not get up, right? So, you know, yeah, I see those two guys, and they're older, and I'm, I want to be just like them. Or if not, we're all pushing each other to be better or the best that we can be, right? So those are uh, those are huge, huge guys to have on your team, especially on your defense. Well, you mentioned about how you guys want to win out. There's no doubt about that. But one team that's standing your way, which – You've had some difficulties against, mind you, it was the start of the year. It's the Halifax Thunderbirds. What kind of difficulties does that team pose for you guys, especially on the defensive side? Uh, probably experience, to be honest. They, 
you know, they have some older guys that have been in multiple situations, but we're young and gun and, you know, we're going to bring it to them. This is our second game against them at home. It's the, it's the third game against them. We've had two losses, you know, one lost by a couple goals. One was an overtime loss and, you know, and it's, it's gotta be our turn, right? Third time's a charm. Um, but we're ready. Yeah. This, uh, this has been circled on the calendar for a while and, we're ready. We're, uh, we're excited to play back at home. Our fans have been perfect for us. And, you know, that last game against, uh, that last home game against San Diego really, really opened my eyes to like, this is our home. You know, our fans are, our fans are with it. Our fans are here for us. So to be able to go and uh, pick up, pick up that dub will be pretty special. Uh, you mentioned Hamilton. That's kind of right down the street from St. Catharines and your neck of the woods. How cool is it now? You know, obviously your family and friends could make the drive from St. Kitts all the way to Toronto, but now it's just 20 minutes to Hamilton or however short the distance is. How cool is that to really be playing in your backyard? Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's honestly uh, almost perfect. Um, being able to play close to home, I think, is every professional athlete's dream. You know, not having to be too far away from home where you can still drive back and forth, you know, see family or go back, see friends or vice versa. They can come up and watch your game, which is like, like you said, 20 minute drive instead of an hour and a half or more because of Toronto traffic and et cetera. So being able to play in Hamilton's unbelievable, man. Just having my, uh, my grandparents able to, to be there. Sometimes they couldn't make the trip because it was a long one or, you know, whatever, but they haven't missed a game yet. And it's, it's, I love playing in front of them. So it's huge. It's a, it's a great opportunity for myself. The young black athlete, I'm, I'm sure you've seen and experienced many things that most of us never will um, in, in this world, whether it be in sports or in life. Uh, but now you're part of the Black Lacrosse Alliance and, and a role model for young black kids as you're wearing the shirt right now. Um, how special is that for you to be able to look back at where you've come and where society has come and, and where we're going? Um, obviously, with with everything that's been brought to the forelight of, of society um, and with NLL Unites trying to do more, uh, what does that mean to you? It means a lot. Uh, when I was uh, obviously a, a younger younger child, there wasn't too many wasn't too many people that I could uh, maybe look up to or want to be like. Obviously, there was, but uh, I had my, my my focus on hockey, so I didn't really know too many you know, black hockey players in, in my area. So now, you know, me being who I am and where I'm at and coming back here, I feel like there's a lot more uh, black lacrosse players coming up and at the track, we obviously coach a lot of kids and, you know, there's more and more and more each year that are coming out. So to be able to be a role model is amazing because when I was younger, maybe that's something I didn't have, but now there's kids and I can be their role model. So it's something that they can have. And I think that goes a long way. It goes a long way, and uh, we're just getting started. So am I, and uh, yeah, man. What What does that Black Lacrosse Alliance like look like as as a group? Are Are you guys conversing a lot, or are there you know opportunities for you guys to get to get together away from the regular seasons of, of both leagues to to kind of continue to work towards your goals? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know the uh, the shirt I'm wearing right now, the Black Lacrosse Alliance. It's more. Uh, more in the summertime. That's yeah. uh, we start out the PLL. Obviously, there's guys in there from the NLL, 
but uh yeah we definitely chit chat you know there's a group message uh sometimes it's just you know funny messages or we're actually talking about world issues in there but um yeah there's obviously more to more to talk about and whatnot but yeah we appreciate you man and the work you guys are doing is amazing and anytime we can help out we're always here for you but uh we're glad we got this opportunity to talk to you latrell it's been awesome seeing your career continue to rise and the rock continue to get hot appreciate you man good luck against halifax and uh we'll catch up soon okay yeah appreciate it thank you guys for having me appreciate it what an unbelievable conversation with a young man that has his head on his shoulders and understands where he's come from where he's currently going and what he needs to do to get there. But just the fact that, you know, he, he talked about, you know, reading wasn't one of my strengths when I was a kid. And now I'm reading in front of kids to show them how fun it can be. Um, those are maybe some of the stories that people don't understand um, can really change a person and, and really show them the good of giving back and, uh, Latrell Harris has done a great job of that. He's really embraced that with the Toronto Rock going out and reading for kids at schools and things like that. So uh, a wonderful conversation with a young man who's got a bright future and, and like he said, maybe playing the best across of his career. We've clearly seen his game mature, uh, but I think we're seeing him mature as a pro and maturing as a man. Like uh, having conversations with him a couple of years ago uh, to now, like he's so, so much more comfortable. And you actually see that personality coming through. And he's always had that personality. I just feel like, you know, when you have, have the conversation with, with Latrell, you know, when the red light doesn't go on, he was very reserved and gave out the cliches, but now you're starting to see that personality that you, that you had uh, when you have the conversations off camera or off air. Uh, and, and I think that comes with a lot of, you know, him being in the league for a long time. He's still a young kid though. Like he still is young, like, uh, but the way he's playing on the floor and his maturity, um, he's still fun. He still likes to have fun, uh, but he has definitely matured and it's really, really awesome to see. Uh, all right. Week 20, uh, <laughs> Three weeks left in the National Cross League regular season. And that laugh, that laugh just tells tells uh, you everything. I like <laughs> I I lost control of my voice when Tanner Cook scored that one hander. But I when I look at this schedule uh, this weekend and I see the carnage that we are in for, um, I, I'm super excited and I can't wait. It all starts on Friday, Panther City at San Diego. We talked at nauseum a little bit and thumbs up, thumbs down uh, about the seal state. Again, no Dane Doby in the lineup as he's on the IR. They finally get Casey Jackson, you know, playing some good lacrosse, mm -hmm. but they're just, they're up and down right now. They need to find a way to snap this four game skid. And you use the term all the time, a get right game. And this is a perfect opportunity for San Diego to take on a Panther city team that just had their butts whooped. They may come in very ornery, but it could be um, a team ripe for the picking. And if San Diego is going to do damage, I think this is a game they have to win. I hate saying it, but I have caught myself saying it quite a bit, but I'm going to say it again. This is playoff lacrosse. It starts right now. Both these teams, yes, the stakes are a little bit higher for Panthers to because they literally have to win to keep their their playoff hopes alive but san diego you you know that yes they would love to have that first seed they want home floor throughout but 
they also want to figure things out mm. more importantly. They want to snap that four game skit. They want to get back to playing confident lacrosse. Their offense has looked like a shell of themselves in the last four games. The defense, it looks like, I don't know if maybe some teams are figuring things out, uh, but there are definitely a lot more easy looks uh, that are getting past Frank Chiliano. And, you know, he's not making, or he's having to make, bigger saves and having to make more saves. Um, whereas before they were doing a really good job letting Frankie see everything and, and giving up the shots that he wanted to see. So I don't want to say things are unraveling with San Diego, but certainly they're on a skid and they're playing their worst lacrosse at the worst time. Um, but again, they have some time here to figure things out before the playoffs start and just get right back on track. They went on a stretch of four games where they didn't, allow more than 10 goals and since then they haven't allowed fewer than 11 again that Colorado game but everything is kind of going the other way we, we talked about how amazing Frankie was playing and he had those that that like that stretch he had what two games where they only allowed four goals he had a couple more will only give up seven um, but maybe it's a sign and this has always been sort of a criticism of Frankie even uh, playing for Maple Ridge in the summer leagues is that he wants to play every single minute of every single game. And oftentimes late in the season, he gets worn down and maybe we're starting to see that a bit. And that's not a knock on him. That's just his competitive fire. But I think there might've been a time or two. Yes. There were two games where he missed because of COVID and O-Rig and um, Getty came in and relieved him. But I think there probably would have been a few more times where they might have liked to give him a night off or, a, you know, the rest of a game off um, just to kind of give him some rest. But I have faith in him that he can pull things around. I have faith in, in Patrick Merrill and that group that they can pull things around. Um, but it's just uh, maybe a bit of a, a warning sign for this team that they need to find a way to give Frankie some rest because the playoffs, as we all know, are a grind. And, you know, for Panther City, it, it was a, a comeback to reality moment last weekend. We all know that. Um, but Panther City has proven to us, and Tracy Kluski has proven to us, that these guys can play with the best and hang with the best. And it wouldn't surprise me if they have a much better showing than they did last week. We can almost guarantee that. But it will be interesting to see how they bounce back. That will be a, a key sign of where this team is moving forward. So that's the lone game on Friday. Saturday, we have six starting in Albany as the Wings take on the Firewolves. I think the winner, uh, well, winner most likely will probably win that fifth seed um, and get that crossover spot. You mentioned it, playoff atmosphere. It will be uh, at MVP Arena. This one, I mean, there's so many real, I'm not going to say it because there's so many damn good You're lacrosse games. The game of the week. I was going to say this is, I was going to say 1A, but I think there's yeah. 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, 1E. All these games are really, really good, and they're really important. But this one, you mentioned it. Like, it, it is, there's no gray area. It's black and white. Like, if you want that fifth seed, or I, I think Philly could potentially push for that fourth seed, depending on what happens with Georgia. Uh, but for Albany, again, they got to win. They have to win. This is a team that believes they're a championship contending team, regardless of what the record says. You talk to anyone in that organization, they feel that they've just been littered with the injury bug, especially on the back end. Um, you know, 
Doug Jamison, he'll be the first person to say, hasn't had his most consistent games uh, throughout this season. But when he's on, he's one of the best goalies in the league. And offensively, if they can get it going, man, like this is a team that you do not want to play in the postseason. They just have to get there. And then you go on the flip side. Philly's a team that a lot of people had pegged as a dark horse for a championship. And I was one of them. Yeah. Like, I know you were huge on them. I thought they were good. I didn't have them as a championship team, but I thought they were a team that for sure it would be a lock to, to be in the top four in the East. Uh, and it's not, it's not a lock anymore. And it's not even a guarantee that they're going to make the postseason at this rate. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, they figured things out offensively. Um, you know, I think this is a team that knows what's on the line. And it's playoff lacrosse, man. How many times are we gonna have to say it's playoff lacrosse? Say it a lot more this episode, but <laughs> say it a lot more this episode. But okay, uh, I know this is tongue in cheek, but Kyle Jackson, late season MVP. If he helps Philadelphia get into the playoffs, he's got twenty points in the four games he's played with them. No, he was not the reason. Is not the reason Halifax is struggling. We can throw that out the book. He has just had a change of scenery and fits into an offense that fits his game style. And he's playing with a lot of confidence. He He's happy there. They love having him there. And it has just been, you know, it's been a nice storyline for Kyle Jackson and for the Philadelphia Wings. And the way he's playing and with the rest of their schedule, they're a team that can get in. They've got Albany and Georgia in their final two games. Those are two winnable lacrosse games, the way they are playing. And it has to start this weekend if they have a, a, a want to get into four and avoid that crossover. But despite that, I, I think Philadelphia is in a good spot right now. And Kyle Jackson has been a wonderful sort of free addition um, after the trade deadline. And Paul Day got a real steal. Yeah. And I think everyone now has to realize this. And I've said, I think I might've said it last week on the pod or maybe a couple of weeks ago, just because you're a good player doesn't mean that you fit in any offense. And just because you are working in another offense doesn't mean that, you know, you would work in another offense. Yeah. Al Jackson was not working in Halifax's offense. He is, 110% working in Philadelphia. He's a great cross player. He's a great player. We absolutely know that. But look at his numbers since they moved to Halifax was just not the player yes. that he was in Rochester. Yep. Change of scenery is a great thing. And that's what he got. And I'm, I'm glad we are seeing him thrive and him flourish in that offense. Because let's be honest, and I don't want to get on this tangent, but we're here. So let's have it. <laughs> Dawson feed is looking really good yeah. in Halifax as well. Yeah. So these are two teams that have benefit from the change. This is two players that are benefiting from the change. Yeah. This isn't shame on you, Halifax for dropping Kyle Jackson. Maybe you could say, Hey, you should have traded for him, but who who's to say they didn't try to trade for him. Yeah. Yep. Trade, trade them away, right? Yep. This is a, a case where both teams are benefiting from it. Obviously, right now, Halifax would like more production from the other side of the floor, and that's a different conversation. 
But Kyle Jackson doesn't shoot right. He shoots, shoots left. The lefties are fine in Halifax. Yep. And I think if Philly is going to have success going down the stretch and into the postseason, number 47 is going to play a, a pretty big role in that. I agree. Buffalo at Georgia. Um, I don't think we would have been saying this a few weeks ago, but with a win, the Swarm would catch the Thunderbirds in the standings. And that would be a massive turnaround for a Georgia Swarm team that was just a shell of what they are. They were just so off in the middle part of this season. And if they can turn this ship around and they can find a way to beat the Halifax Thunderbirds again and get that tiebreaker and get into that third seed, oh my, look out. Because the swarm are swarming, buzzing even. This is the thing, man. Like with, with, with Georgia, I think it's quite simple for me. Hold on, timeout. Why did I say if they beat Halifax? They're not playing Halifax. They're not trying to get a tiebreaker. Let's just, I was wrong there. I was looking at the wrong thing. But if they do win and Halifax loses, they can catch Halifax for third. Correct. That is okay. Still, I, I, that I'll is be still. honest. Didn't even hear that. So you go. <laughs> uh, what, what I did hear though was you said that this Georgia team doesn't look anything like mm-hmm. what we saw at the start of the year. And I think it's because their defense is yeah. vastly improved. They're athletic. Um, you know, they've got some young pieces that are, are really have stepped up. We know what their offense can do. Yeah, sure. They're missing a few pieces, but you still got Lyle. You still got Shane Jackson, two of the best players on the planet. But for me, the X factor, Mike Poulin, this team will go as far as Mike Poulin takes them. If Mike Poulin is the Mike Poulin that we've seen a couple of, uh, a few times this year where it's, oh man, he kind of looks old. This isn't Mike Poulin anymore. They're not going very far. Maybe they get that fifth seed. Maybe they, they play in the fourth seed and they get knocked out. If Mike Poulin can play like we saw him play at Georgia against Halifax or some of those other big games uh, in Toronto um, against or in Hamilton against Toronto. If we see that Mike Poulin, vintage Mike Poulin, this is a team that can make, make noise in the postseason. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I am not going to bet against Lyle Thompson. I am not going to bet against Shane Jackson. I am not going to bet against Jordan McIntosh. And I'm not going to bet against Mike Poulin when he's playing like that. But unfortunately for Georgia, you don't know which Mike Poulin you're getting. But yeah. if he can step up, make those saves from the outside, give up the shots that this athletic defense likes to give up, this is a team that you do not want to play in the postseason. But their toughest test or their biggest test this season comes against Buffalo, a team that is pissed off and wants to get back on track and make sure that they can secure that first seed in the East. I, I said it on Coast to Coast a few weeks ago that the Buffalo Bandits needed to lose a couple of games just to kind of get that history monkey off their back and just get some adversity. I didn't think it would come like this, but I, I still believe this is a good thing for the Buffalo Bandits. Just knock some of that swagger down, down a bit, just reset, refocus. And with games against Georgia and then a massive game looming against Toronto to end the season, 
this is time for the Buffalo Bands just to, to refocus, drop it down to gear, get everybody back on the same page. Uh, they've already beat Georgia once this year, so they know, you know, what kind of a game plan will work. I, I would have said there's no way I would have seen Buffalo losing that game to New York last weekend. I just do not see them losing this game to Georgia this weekend. But again, hashtag expect the unexpected. Anything can happen. I, I just think this is now the time that the Buffalo Bandits just get back to their winning ways. Uh, maybe one B on your list of games of the week, the TSN game of the week. We talked about a possible first round matchup, Halifax and Toronto. The series is one and one. It's a chance for the tiebreaker. It will be absolute madness in first Ontario. You will be there along with our boy lacrosse abs and Ashley docking. Uh, what a great matchup we have this weekend on TSN. Tale of two different teams, man. Like a team that it's insane. Everyone's talking about the, the, the heater that they've been on the last few games, but you said it eight and two in their last 10. Like th this is not a Toronto rock team. That's just picking it up near the tail end of their season. They have been on fire for a while. And right now, Maybe I should have had this as my coast-to-coast, -coast my, my um, hot okay. take. I think they are the most playoff-ready team in the National Lacrosse League right now. I think the way their defense and Nick Rose are playing right now and how they're a team that is not reliant on one unit. They're not a team that needs to lock things down defensively and just hope that they can score maybe 10 or 11. Like they can win in all different facets. Their defense is playing like the defense that Jamie Dowick envisioned in his head when he went out and grabbed Mitch Desnew and, and built this defense and, and, and really brought things together. But now their offense is clicking. Tom Triber is scoring at a ridiculous rate. Dan Craig is having a breakout season, like from top to bottom. I think this is the most playoff ready team. Now, Buffalo in the next couple of weeks can figure things defensively a little bit. And maybe Matt Vince gets back to playing like Matt Vince. Then we have a different conversation. Yeah. But as it stands right now, I think Toronto is the team that is most poised uh, to play playoff lacrosse. On the other side, Halifax is a team that at the start of the year, I said they're a championship contending team. Their offense was great. They're deep. They're a team that you know, defensively outside of maybe Toronto had one of the best defensive units and Warren Hill, um, one of the best up and coming goaltenders, but one in five in their last six things are really starting to reel for this unit. And I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Cody Jamison is one of the best leaders we've ever seen in lacrosse. And if there's going to be someone who can turn this unit around and get them back on track, it's going to be Cody Jamison, but I don't know. Is the, is it too, is it a little too late for this group? Has there been maybe too much tinkering around with this offense? I don't know, but I think we're going to learn a lot about this group on Saturday night, even if they don't win, but if they put up a good fight and the offense looks good, I think Halifax is a team that you can pencil back in to being a team that can contend for a championship. Do you think the loss of Jason Noble hurts this group moving forward? He's on the IR right now. To be honest, man, like 
because that way you mentioned, you know, Jamie Dowick bringing in Mitch just new. He also paid a bit of a price to bring in Jason Noble as well. I don't think so because he hasn't really played all that much. Like he was on the, he's only played six games. He hasn't been himself since going on COVID. Yeah. And he's just been a guy that hasn't been able to find his legs, hasn't been able to find uh, his spot. And of course, would they like him to be back to being the guy that they envisioned picking up? Absolutely. But when you have guys like Brad Cree, Mitch Desnu playing the best lacrosse of their career, Latrell Harris being an absolute freak. Uh, and then even guys that are, you know, great role players like Brandon Slade. Um, you know, even Phil Mazuka has been a great yeah, story. Adam Jay's been playing a bit. Adam Jay's been great. Josh yeah. Jubinville, like this defense is loaded. Yeah. And I know I'm, I, I'm always giving shine to defenses and defenders, but this is why I think this is a poised championship team because from top to bottom, their defense, they can roll out. They're confident with rolling out whoever. Sure, they'd like to have Cree and Desnu matched up with some of the top guys, but they'll roll through their lineup. And if Nick Rose is making those saves from the outside, this is a team that is tough to beat. Uh, Rochester at New York, both teams just really kind of looking towards 2023. Um, I think we can probably put a fork in my uh, Jeff Teat won't win rookie of the year hot take. Uh, after he just absolutely blew everybody out of the water this past weekend against Buffalo in what was just another outstanding Jeff Teat performance. Um, but I think for both of these clubs, this is a measuring stick for where they are uh, moving on to next year. But again, unfortunately for Rochester, no Ryland Hartley is he suffered another setback and was placed back on the IR. So uh, for New York, you know, they have aspirations of being a playoff team. They, they still can, kind of get there maybe but i think their hopes are pretty much out the window but they see them as a team challenging in years to come and they're in a great spot rochester obviously still has some holes but this will be a measuring stick for for both these teams because as much as we say you know the loss of rylan hartley is huge joe watson hasn't been terrible right other than that first five minutes where he didn't save a ball he's actually been pretty good and if they do get Evan Kirk back next year, and if they do get a healthy Ryland Hartley, this team can do some damage. So a good measuring stick game sort of near the end of the season for both of these clubs. Yeah, and these are two teams that I don't want to say had different expectations coming into this season, but I think both teams thought they were going to be competitive for a playoff spot. And there was times during the season where we thought maybe that could be the case. I think Rochester maybe just came out so hot that it changed some expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things kind of started to, to fall for them. Whereas the riptide kind of started out slow and now we're starting to see them play. Like I think they thought they were going to play, but if you're a fan of either of these teams, it's tough to stay positive when, you know, Rochester only has three wins and New York only has five, but with the core young group that each team has, like these are going to be teams that are going to be competitive for the next few years. They just, they have a little bit of tinkering to do in the off season. And obviously they get some reinforcements through next year's draft or this year's draft from kids coming back uh, from school in the NCAA uh, and then next year's draft. And if you haven't taken a look at swarming up or you're not in tuned with the upcoming drafts, these next two drafts, man, 
are absolutely ridiculous. So there are going to be some good players available for both these teams to draft. Like they're both deep, deep first rounds. And um, yeah, I, I, I think be disappointed that you're not battling for a playoff spot right now, but be pleased because the future is bright for both these teams. Um, all right. The next game on the schedule, another unbelievable Western conference matchup, Colorado at Saskatchewan mammoth looking to stay hot atop the West uh, Saskatchewan looking to still, you know, play a little spoiler, play some pissed off lacrosse. We heard Chris Corbeil talk about it. You know, they're pretty pissed off the way their season has gone and, and how they let down Jeff McComb. They showed, you know, some good resilience this past weekend, knocking off Vancouver. Uh, but we've seen these two teams play some ridiculous games over the years, and I wouldn't expect anything less. But let me say this. If you ever get a chance to watch Mike Messenger play live, please get out and do it. Because the guy is just a bull in a china shop. And he was playing a lot more front door shifts than I thought we'd see him play over the weekend. Like, he was legit just straight out the front door. And when Brad and I talked with Derek Keenan, he said, we want him to take less shifts, but he will literally win a faceoff, run through five guys, get knocked to the ground, score a ridiculous goal, and then just jog back the faceoff and want to do it all over again. There would like to be some times where they limit his minutes, but he's just too good. You just kind of let him do his thing. So um, please, if you're in Saskatoon, uh, go watch Mike Messenger because he is an absolute treat to watch. He, I want, okay, well, first off, I want to see one-on-one -on -one him against Challen Rogers. Just, just roll a ball out on the, on the turf and right. just let those two guys go for 60 minutes because both of them can do it. <laughs> Yeah. And one is smooth and silky in Challen Rogers, which kind of fits the mold of Toronto, the big city. And then you have the rough and tumble Mike Messenger. Like he fits Saskatchewan so well, man. And I know we're going to see a lot of turnover with this roster. If they don't market him as yeah. their guy going forward, that's a huge miss. Mm -hmm. But I 100% agree. I think he's a guy that because he's been bouncing back between a little O and a little D, I don't know if he's going to get as much love for transition player of the year, but he is a guy that absolutely needs to be in that conversation. And I think you're right. I think we're going to see a little more offense out of him. And again, I think that's going to take away some votes, but if you want to talk about like just overall best lacrosse players this season, Jalen yeah. Rogers, you know, Zach Courier, Mike Messenger got to be in the conversation, but from this game though, um, of course, Colorado, obviously still battling for uh, first place Saskatchewan technically can still get into this, but this is a group that probably is saying to themselves, listen, we don't know if we're ever going to be playing with each other with this group. Like this is probably going to be the last time over the next couple of weeks. Let's give it our all and let's try to play some spoiler. And I think this is a team that, wants to play for their coaching staff, wants to prove that, you know, the coaching change didn't need to happen. It was them who let themselves down and let the coaching down. So, and I think, I think this is a team that, you know, if you look at the betting lines, the books, which we'll get to, the books still have Saskatchewan as a favorite. That's and wild. I think they see that. 
That's it's crazy. It's um, absolutely nuts. But yeah, late addition to uh, thumbs up. Jimmy Quinlan gets his first win as a, an associate head coach in the National Cross League. <laughs> we we were chatting with him before the game, and and you know I said, hey, congratulations. He's like, thanks. It's not really how I wanted to get it, but thanks. And he's, I don't know, like you're always kind of on this path. He's like, yeah, well, I've got the job. I got the gift of gab. I've got the talking part down. So that's good. But, you know, just watching that game, it, it was nice to see that Derek Keenan, you know, while he was sort of roaming the middle of the bench, he really let Jimmy kind of run things. He was mm-hmm. orchestrating the, the last minute six on fives and, and the timeout, he was controlling the conversation and Derek was just kind of overseeing things. And that's, that's a really cool storyline to watch these last few games of just how much Jimmy progresses in that role and what this group is going to look like uh, next year. But uh, super happy for Q. Um, great conversation with him on Lax, Lax Class this week. So if you want to go check out that interview, uh, check out the fellows over on Spotify. But, you know, Ryan Lee, 105 points for Colorado. We talk about, you know, um, Connor Robinson, but I think we we can't forget to talk about the year that Ryan Lee is having. Yeah, uh, just again, just continues to get better each and every year, and uh, he's got 105 points. The only other guy to have 100 points this year is Dane Smith. So, what an unbelievable season from Ryan Lee, and and they're one and one against SAS this year. So this is a a tiebreaker. Not that it really means much other than just confidence moving forward. But if Colorado can stay hot. Um, the loud house will be a tough place to play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and this is a huge matchup for, for the mammoth in their aspirations for first place. Uh, the final game of the weekend, Calgary at Vancouver. Um, what we maybe thought could have been a first round matchup. If things had gone right, who knows two teams kind of go in the opposite directions. Uh, I mentioned it. Calgary is hot. Vancouver is not, but these two teams do not like each other. But maybe the best part going into this storyline and this weekend right now is Vancouver Social and their throwbacks for this weekend. Not doing throwback jerseys, although I wish they would. Oh. But some of the social media that they've been doing with the Seinfeld picks and, and some of those things has been outstanding. Awesome stuff. And kudos uh, to the warriors and their social, their social team, their graphics, videos, everything. I think if there was a award for, you know, breakout social performer, (laughs) it hundred percent would be the warriors. Like it is night and day what we're seeing from them. And I think it's a big reason why we're seeing a lot more, you know, asses in the seats. Mm -hmm. That's why we're seeing a more vibrant crowd, a more electric crowd because they're putting in the work to market this team. Unfortunately for the fan base, eh, you know, it's been a a rough last couple of weeks for them. And and this is a team that started with so much promise. They look so good out the gates and things are kind of coming back maybe down to reality of what a lot of people thought their season was going to be. And, it's unfortunate. What what happens if if Mitch Jones isn't hurt? Like, mm-hmm. where is this team? How many more wins does he provide? Because the righties are certainly contributing right now. Uh, it's just the lefties, especially the last couple of games, haven't been able to carry their own bargain. And and if Jones is there, yeah, like there's probably a good chance that they pick up a, a couple of extra wins. But as we said earlier on, Teddy. 
Hindsight's 2020. Maybe some of these other guys don't get as much touches. Maybe they don't get the confidence. They don't feel that they have to step up. So it is what it is. They're still in the hunt. If they get into the playoffs, I think they might not admit it, but that's a winning season for them. I think that's a feather in their cap considering what this management has had to do, you know, building this team without, you know, what was it? Their, their last two picks in the first round were the first picks in since Nam, basically like they haven't <laughs> had first round picks in forever. Yeah. Um, Vancouver won that first game between the two clubs, 11, 10, when Steve Fryer just played absolutely unconscious. Uh, and then of course, a couple weekends ago, the Dixon OT winner, 10, nine. So these two teams have played very good games against each other. Um, but is it too little too late for the Vancouver Warriors? We will wait and see as that will be the final game of week 20. Um, before we get into box bets, I had this conversation with some of the TSN guys this week, just because we were maybe going to look ahead to some things uh, to highlight in the broadcast. And we we're talking about awards and they were asking us, is there an award that like, is, is there an award that's an outright winner right now? And I said, I don't think there is. Maybe outside of TK and Panther City, but again, they just lost that game, so that kind of hurt his momentum. But I don't know if there is an outright award winner. Maybe Vino for goalie of the year. Maybe TK for coach of the year. But I'm not sure what's going to happen for MVP. We talked about, you know, the three transition guys. You could even throw rebowering in there for, for transition. Okay, Jeff Teat's probably rookie of the year now. But they're, the big ones are still yet to be decided. Yeah, I think, and this is, I, I don't want to tease your coast-to-coast -coast hot mm. take, but that's okay. I think I think it's going to be Dane Smith. I really do think Dane Smith is going to win. It's, it's tough when he has almost 20 more points than the next guy. Yeah, and he's breaking the assist and point record in the season, yeah. But... I see what you're saying. It's most valuable player. If Dane Smith comes out of that offense, you know, Josh Burns, maybe not putting up as many points as Smith is, but he's probably getting the ball's going to then run through the righties a little mm -hmm. bit more. And they're probably still going to be the best team in the East and they're still going to be great. So maybe I think that's, that's a, you know, that's an argument for another day. Yeah, and I totally agree. Take with you. Matt Vince out of that team. I, I don't think they're 13 and three. Exactly. I don't think they're anywhere near that. So he's not, how is he the most valuable player in the league when he's not even the most valuable player on his team? Right. So that's, that's why, why I agree with you. Yeah, most, on coast to coast. We'll just say it, Pat. We'll okay. Say it. You say okay. it. It's your take. You take it. I said, and this is a conversation many people have had that there should be a most outstanding player or a most offensive player that would still reward offensive guys but then allow more opportunities for you know a guy like a mike messenger or a reed bowering or more goaltenders to win the mvp award because it truly is most valuable like you said not who broke all the records who had the most points it's which player is the most valuable to their team and i think that would open up the door for more players to win that award and see a wider spread of positions win that award because I, no defenders ever won it i don't believe and only one goaltender has ever won it so 
I think it's an opportunity for the league to kind of open up the the award to more well-deserving players. But to answer your other part of that question, mm. I tend to agree. I, I honestly have a very hard time saying that, yes, this one player or coach is a lock. Like, I think TK is pretty damn close to a lock. I think after last week, Jeff T is a pretty close to being a lock. Yeah. Uh, but Patrick Dodds could, you know, put up a billion points over the next couple of weeks, yeah. get his team into the postseason. Or Reed Bowering um, could really turn it, turn it around. Um, but yeah, I think this year is the first year where we've actually had most of the wards going into this playoff saying, you know, there's X amount of guys that could win this award because in years past, it's been like, okay, we know the three guys that are nominated. We know the three guys that are nominated. Not only do we not know who is going to win said award, there's a lot of awards where how the hell do you even pick three guys to be nominated? Yeah. yeah true, true. So true, man. Like, there's four transition guys that just come off the top of your mind. There's four rookies that come off the top of the head. Like who the hell do you nominate for defender? Yeah. I don't even know, man. Just give it to everybody. Like, <laughs> give it like, to everybody. like it's insane. It's absolutely madness, but it's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. It's a good thing to have. And I think the way that the national lacrosse league is wanting to grow. And I think the way that they, uh, need to continue to do is to continue to, yes, obviously you want to market your teams, but I think marketing these players and marketing their personalities and marketing what they do on the floor uh, is something that is going to help grow the game and bring in those, those new fans. Um, a frustrating moment from last weekend was Toronto not covering two and a half. Um, absolutely broke my heart, but we're back on the horse. Let's do it. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Box Bets, Patty. Uh, our parlay did not hit last Tragic. week, Tragic. but we're going to get into it this week. Yes? Yes, we are. We have to get back on the saddle and it's my turn to throw out our, our parlay. So what we're going to do, we're going to go with the New York riptide on the money line. Mm-hmm. They don't have to win by the spread. They don't have to do any, anything like that. All they got to do win, is beat Rochester. Then we are expecting a defensive battle, a, a goaltending duel between the Halifax Thunderbirds and the Toronto Rock under 22 and a half. And then we talked about this already. I'm getting the Colorado Mammoth as a dog here. I'm getting a goal and a half. I'm taking that all the way to the bank. That's going to be our off the crossbar podcast parlay. You know where to find that at coolbet.com or if you're in Ontario, coolbet dot ca all right that's box bets and i don't know i i, I like it I, I think we're gonna do well this week it's gonna be a a good week for us to get right back on the horse help you guys get some weekend spending cash and uh still you know really believing in the things that we do the best i had a buddy reach out to me and say hey man where's your parlays that you do send it for the site he's like cool 
I'll, I'll mess with it. And he shot back at me. He's like, oh, man, half point. Those were some good picks. He loved it. He's like, all right, I'm in. I'm following you guys from now on. So the movement started. The masses are starting to understand that us as hashtag experts know what we don't know what we talk about. So uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, y'all can have some fun with us as we ride the last few weekends. Thank you to the folks over at CoolBet. Well, I wanted to, before we wrap up, I wanted to just quickly run through some of the other, we talked about the, to make the playoffs yeah. um, odds, but now updated with the division titles, obviously not many teams that can win mm-hmm. Buffalo bandits minus 2000 to close <laughs> the East plus 1000 for the Toronto rock. So maybe a thought, if you think, Hey, if Buffalo is going to fall off a cliff here, Toronto, maybe they can, I don't know. That's a little more of a long shot, but for me, this one is very interesting to clinch the West division title, San Diego, despite being in second and reeling right now, they're a minus 125. Colorado, who hold the throne right now in the West, plus 120. And the Calgary Roughnecks, plus 5,000. Yeah, I know a lot of stuff has to happen for them <laughs> to jump up two spots and take that seed uh, in first. But plus 1,000, man. And kudos to you, dude, because... Go back to one of our first episodes of the season. Colorado, our uh, Calgary was a team that you were hammering on all our future bet. That's like the West, thirty five hundred or something like that, one or thirty. Yeah, so whatever it was, yeah. I know we're not even into the playoffs yet, but the fact that they're starting to trend in the right direction yeah. uh, certainly is something that is just to show you, man. You know, you know the Roughnecks. You know they're a team that is asleep at the wheel for a good chunk of the season yeah. and oh, oh it's april all right let's start winning some games guys let's go <laughs> uh all right that's a look ahead to week 20 our parlay um and it is just going to be uh, another wild wild week uh again tsn game of the week halifax of toronto john abbott pat gregoire ashley docking from hamilton course all the other games on tsn direct or espn plus wherever you are watching we hope you absolutely enjoy every moment because like we said hashtag expect the unexpected the fellas are balling out and it's gonna be some fun lacrosse this weekend my man can't wait man and uh i just wanted to give a quick shout out well first off the all they wrapped up their west um playoffs last their championship a couple weeks ago Uh, if you're in ontario um the al east cup finals goes down this weekend so um if you're near the ila um 100 head over there it's good lacrosse Uh, there's uh there's a lot of future nlers playing there um and there might even be some guys when is the actually that's something we haven't talked about when is the street free agent? Have we passed that deadline I yet? I believe it was last Thursday. It was last Thursday. Okay. Last so, week, yeah. so you won't see these guys suiting up for any NLL teams this year, but certainly next year, like we've seen some guys come Thanks through. Justin. Yeah. There you go. Perfect example. Former Ironhead, am I not mistaken, Patrick? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Thank you, fellas, for, for that little <laughs> shameless plug. I owe one of you uh, guys but a actually, you know, that, I that was, he's been a great story. I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but he's been a great story for Vancouver after losing Tyrell Hamer Jackson. They bring him, bring him in. He doesn't play that first game on the road in Calgary. They saved him. He plays the second night against Albany goes 50, 50 uh, against Joey Nards. 
and then had a real good weekend this past weekend against Mike Messenger. Reeves winning draws clean. Um, like that, that's a nice little uh, addition for them. But again, that just goes to show that the ALL really does need to be a feeder league and is a feeder league for the National Lacrosse League going forward. And there is some really, really talented young players there. Even the NLL West has guys that are draft picks, guys that are former NLL players, just trying to keep sharp and be ready anytime the call comes. Absolutely. And on that note as well, um, summer ball, man, literally just down right around the corner, had a tournament last week. Um, season starts in a, well, a little showcase. It was like a, a three games, three, each team plays three games. In GME? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, they're condensed games. They're like 45 minute games, but, uh, yeah, the boys were gassed. We had a very short bench. Um, <laughs> Oh, I yeah. got a story to tell. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no. Uh, go for go for this story. I want to hear so this. So we finally split our teams up into two. So we now sort of have our junior A's and our tier ones. Guys are still moving up and down because we've got like 16 guys away at school. So of course, guys will fluctuate up and down or whatever. But we had our first tier one run. And, you know, obviously we got to kind of ramp up our conditioning and all that. So we had a pretty hard practice. And I I had our guys do like a four pack where it's like, yeah, sprint one, jog three, sprint two, jog two, and you go all the way up. And I was going to make them go all the way up and all the way back down, but they were pretty gassed by the end. Well, I, I made a kid puke, Patty. I can cross <laughs> it off my bucket lists and my bingo square scorecard. Um, I felt so bad for the kid, but yep, just doing a lap right in the corner, lost it all. That's awesome. That is awesome. You should come to a lot more Ironheads game. We got a lot of Scarborough boys, so they're they're usually puking quite a bit in the preseason, <laughs> but they end up being freaks by the yeah. you know halfway through Absolutely. through the season. But uh, no, I can't wait, man. Summer ball is going to be awesome. Whether it's junior A, junior B, um, senior ball, we know uh, it's hey. I know we keep saying we're going to end the end the pod, but one of my Ironheads are heading out your way, Tagger Clark, uh, Glenn Clark's boy, uh, former Ironhead, oh, former yeah. Beaches. Uh, he's going to Nanaimo this summer, well, so because Glenn's there, exactly. Well, he's 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 joining his joining his old man. But... Terrible pipeline. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like it at all. But he he was him and and Chris Veltman, yeah. Jim's son, were supposed to go there last year, junior. Yes, that's true. One was going to Coquitlam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember where Tags was going to go, but then COVID. So at least he's going to go out west, be able to enjoy that after his season uh, down at Bobby. Uh, Wiedemann's coming out west yeah. to play for yep. I'm a senior A. So the, yep. the Glenn Clark effect is really rolling uh, yep. out in the hub city. Um, all right, that'll do it. Uh, oh, when do you guys start? Do you know? Uh, first week of May. First week of May. Yeah, okay. We're, we're the last weekend of April. So, like, yeah, we, the, the, the junior B season starts the week before that. Um, right. but, but we start a little bit later, um, maybe some finagling from our GM to allow some of the American kids and Canadian university kids to come home, but we won't talk about that. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you flex the rule. <laughs> sorry. No, no, the, the sorry. The, the ice, the ice isn't out of our ability. <laughs> we have no availability. Uh, thanks Latrell Harris, uh, for giving us some time, uh, an absolute fantastic conversation. An incredible young man. Give him a follow on socials. He's uh, at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast and on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Week 20 is ahead. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. Make sure you get out to a game. And if you go to a game, take a friend. Until we speak again, stay safe. 
and be excellent to each other.